Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. Now this is the 11 o'clock service. Y'all supposed to be more awake than the early service, right? Okay, two of you. Some of you stayed up late watching football. I understand how that goes. Let me tell you a couple things. uh, First of all, I want to encourage you to pray this morning. Our own Tari Watkins is preaching in Purcell, Oklahoma. First time he's ever preached on a Sunday morning outside of here. And so we're excited about that. And we want you to be praying for him. Um, He's part of a group we call Proclaim, where we're uh, training guys and ladies to minister. And so we're proud of him this morning. Also, this Friday night, we have a really cool opportunity. Our, our school over here, our elementary school, called us. And we are cooking hot dogs and uh, serving drinks for them. They're doing a memorial run. They apparently had one of their families that was lost in the uh, tornado. And so they're doing this as a way to remember them. Well, they called us and said, can you guys please come and serve hot dogs and drinks? And so we're doing that. So if you could please help me pray on Friday, starting at about 530, and just pray that uh, we will be able to extend Christ to them and love on them a little bit and let them know that we're for them. Amen. And so you guys make that happen, and we're thankful for that. Well, we're in week three of a series that we've been calling Altered. How many of you grew up in a church that spent or tended to spend a lot of time in altars. Amen. Raise your hand. Come on. Yeah, a few of you, you old folks. I see I see all that gray hair back there and and or no hair like me and and we grew up in churches that that there were altars down front. Now Many of us had different kind of experiences at altars. I had some pretty cool experiences at altars. I, I saw some pretty crazy stuff I'm not going to even talk about. Uh, but we had some crazy altar services. And for most of us, our altars came in the form of the padded altar. Y- y'all remember those? Those are the comfortable ones. Those are the ones where you went to sleep and didn't mean to. Anybody been in a service? that? Yeah, okay, I just wanted to see. It's drooled. Com- no, y'all didn't do any of that. And, and, and then there were the, the wood altars that were shellacked real thick. And you'd lay your head down on it to seek God. And about five minutes later, you'd try to get up and your head would stick and you'd leave skin y'all y'all don't know nothing about that either altars well i've been trying to tell you that altars were not man's idea altars did not gener- uh, generate in the heart of man it was not our idea altars were were directly and come directly from the heart of god in fact you can go through scripture and what you discover, discover as you read scripture is that on 370 different occasions altars are mentioned throughout scripture because God set this precedent in place and that is this God meets man at an altar that's why it's important for you to to establish an altar in your daily life and not just wait till you get to a church where there's actual altars to spend time with God you need to uh, to set up and and construct altars I'm not talking to go to Home Depot and buy two by sixes and and go into your living room and move out the coffee table I'm talking about that designate a time a place where you literally spend time with God because God set it up for us that God meets man at an altar and so we begin to talk about this in week one I took you to Romans chapter 12 verse 1 and 2 where Paul says I beseech you or I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice and I talked to you about living a an altered lifestyle not a uh, not just a Sunday morning lifestyle but an altered lifestyle where on a regular daily moment by moment minute by minute second by second uh, basis you offer yourself to God and say God I'm gonna live for you I'm giving you my life because Paul made it very clear to us that if you don't live an altered lifestyle, you will become cultured. 
You will look like your culture. You will sound like our culture. You will think like our culture. And Paul made it clear that if we would spend time in an altar presenting ourselves to God, it would change how we live and change how we think. And then last week we went into what is the second mention of an altar encounter in Scripture. I read to you out of the account of Noah. I recognize that most of us have turned Noah into some kid's tale. But I tried to convince you that the, the account of Noah and the flood and the two-by-two two is not a kid's tale. In fact, it is a gruesome tale. It is a tale of a man who stood in an ark and literally watched the entire extermination and annihilation of every living thing. That's not a kid's tale. That is not nursery fare. That is, uh, that is a, a gruesome encounter where Noah watched as everything that lived, everything that breathed was destroyed because of sin. And the Bible says that when all of that happened the first thing that Noah did when he walks out on the dry ground rather than making a request or rather than building his own house or getting a Burger King hamburger the first thing he did the Bible says is that Noah built an altar and I said to you that what that teaches us is that even through the tough seasons of life, you've got to learn to build an altar of remembrance. You've got to come to this place where you can remember that God has been faithful, that God has come through, that God has made provision, that God has healed me, that God has saved me, that God has set me free. You've got to be able to remember because if you don't remember, you will become bitter and you will become selfish and you will become a complainer. That's why David said in Psalm chapter 77, I encourage you to read that verse of scripture and to make the same covenant that David made. Because in that passage, David says, I will remember. I will ponder. I will reflect on what you've done. I challenged you last week to live all week long making a covenant with yourself that even in your middle of your biggest storm even in the middle of your biggest trial that you would remember. I choose to remember what God has done. Anybody remembering what God's been doing, has done in your life? Anybody reflecting on the faithfulness of God? The trustworthiness of God? The fact that God came through for you? The game, the, oh come on now that God set you, anybody reflecting on what Man, it's a better week when you reflect on what God has done. Amen? So that's where we've been. And so I want to take you a little bit further. I want to take you into Genesis chapter 12, Genesis chapter 13, and Genesis chapter 15. And bring to your attention uh, some altar experiences. These are the next altar experiences that are listed in Scripture. I want you to listen to what happens. I don't have time to read it all, but you'll see what happens here. We're dealing with Abraham's encounter with God. It's Genesis chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. God told Abram, leave your country, your family, and your father's home for a land that I will show you. I'll make, a, make you a great nation and bless you. I'll make you famous. You'll be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you. Those who curse you, I'll curse. All the families of the earth will be blessed through you. So Abram left just as God said, and Lot left with him. Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. Abram took his wife Sarah and his nephew Lot with him, along with all the possessions and the people that they'd gotten in Haran. And they set out for the land of Canaan and arrived safe and sound. Abram passed through the country as far as Shechem and the Oak of Morah. And at the time, the Canaanites occupied the land. And God appeared to Abram and said, I will give this land to your children. And Abram built an altar at the place God had appeared to him. Genesis chapter 13, beginning in verse 14. After Lot separated from him, God said to Abram, Open your eyes. Look around. Look north, south, 
east and west. Everything you see, the whole land spread out before you, I will give to you and your children forever. I'll make your descendants like dust. Counting your descendants will be as impossible as counting the dust of the earth. So on your feet, get moving. Walk through the country, its length, its breadth. I'm giving it all to you. Abram, Abram moved his tent. He went and settled by the oaks at Mamre in Hebron. There he built an altar to God. Genesis chapter 15, verse 5 through 12. Then he told him, took him outside and said, Look at the sky. Count the stars. Can you do it? Count your descendants. You're going to have a big family, Abram. And he believed. He believed God. God declared him set right with God. God continued, I'm the same God who brought you from Ur of Chaldees and gave you this land to own. Abram said, Master God, how am I to know this, that it will all be mine? And God said, bring me a heifer, a goat, and a ram, each three years old, and a dove, and a young pigeon. And he brought all these animals to him, split them down the middle, and laid the halves opposite each other. But he didn't split the birds. Vultures swooped down on the carcasses, but Abram scared them off altars there's some common denominators in these three passages that I've read to you two things that occur in both that you need to be aware of that I think are important for us we we've talked about offering your body as a living sacrifice we've talked about an altar of remembrance but this morning as we reflect on these three different accounts where Abram took time to build an altar I would submit to you that there are two common denominators the first one that I want to mention to you is this God has a pinky, and he's not afraid to use it. Uh, notice, if you will, in Genesis chapter 12, Genesis chapter 13, and Genesis chapter 15, that in all three of these passages, Abraham constructs an altar because and in response to a promise that God had given him. How many of you remember old pinky swearing? When you were a little kid, you'd pinky swear with someone. You'd make a promise, a covenant with one another. What Abram recognizes is that God is a covenant-making God. God has a pinky, and he's not afraid to use it. God is a God of promises, and so every time that God would make a promise to Abram, Abram would stop and build an altar to remember what God said will take place. His altars are encounters with God. And his altars were not a place of request. you got to catch this this morning. Abraham's altars were not a place of request. They were a place of revelation. It's at these altars that Abraham or Abram heard, Thus saith the Lord. It is at these altars that Abram gets a word for his life and even a word for his his wife some of y'all need to get that part right there but never mind i he, he spends some time at an altar and he gets a promise from god a revelation from god see i think that's important to understand because i think so many of us only visit altars with requests and we never expect to stay at an altar and get any revelation in fact i would submit to you this morning that what we do what we are starting to do now is that we visit pulpits for revelation and we only visit altars with requests 
y'all got to get that. I, I, I can't stop. I, I just felt like that came right back. And too many of us are chasing pulpits for revelation. And instead of going to an altar expecting revelation, we only visit altars to make requests. But what I would submit to you this morning is why would you want to settle for the word of a man when you can go straight to the source? Abram understood that he could spend some time at an altar of promise and get a revelation from God directly for him. And some of you are chasing from pulpit, from pulpit, from pulpit, saying, God, give me a word. Send a word through this man. Why don't you just bypass the pulpit and go straight to the altar and get a word for yourself? See, here's a key aspect of all this. Abraham let God talk. See, too many of us never listen at the altar. In fact, most of us, the way we deal with altars is when an altar call is given, we, we, we get into the altar and we start talking from the moment we get there until we exit and we never let God say anything. I would suggest to you that some of us can literally out-talk God. The God of promises. God is a God of promises. And yet God cannot make promises to you if you won't let Him get a word in edgewise. And we've learned to out-talk God. See, I, I, I understand that silence makes us nervous. See? Silence makes us nervous. But I would suggest to you that it is as we become silent in the presence of God that it is at that moment that we once again can hear the still small voice. The reason God speaks with a still small voice is because he wants us to lean in so that we have to Some of us can't hear God because we won't ever shut up. God's a gentleman. He, he allows us to talk and talk and talk and talk and he's trying to speak but we can't even hear. We drown him out with our own See, Abraham discovered that it is at an altar that you receive promises from God. So my question for you this morning is very simple. What has God promised you? What is it that God has said about you? What is it that God has said about your marriage? What is it that God has said about your children? What is it that God has said about your job? What is it that God has said about your school? What is it that God has said about your current circumstances or your future circumstances? What has God promised you? Have you spent any time long enough, silent enough in an altar where you can literally hear God and hear Him make you a promise? See, here's what I want you to know. When you can't find God's presence, you can still count on His promise. Because the Bible declares that God is not a man, that He should lie. The Bible says that God is faithful to fulfill every word that He's ever said. His word will always come to pass. So on the days, if you learn to get into an altar and get a promise, on the days that you can't seem to trace God, you can still trust God. On the days you can't seem to find him, where's he at? I, I feel like he's forsaken me. I feel like I'm lost. You can still count on the promises. Abraham proves this. He proved that you can live on a promise when you don't see any provision. So my question to you this morning is this. Is God trustworthy? I got three people going, yes, he is. Is God trustworthy? Is there any... Is there any 
deficit in his supply? No. Is, is, is there any doubt that God can carry through what he says? No. So if, if he's trustworthy, then the question is not his ability. His question, the, the, the question becomes our willingness to get to an altar to hear what he says he will do. See, I'm concerned that we come to church and we say we've talked to God. My, my, my concern for you this morning is not that you talk to God. My concern is, is God talking to you? See, because I'm convinced that what most of us do is we have learned to come to the altar and we have these rote prayers that we learned when we were kids, like rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grub, look out, all those that you count as prayer, and God is great, God is good. And we don't spend any time in an altar listening to God. So what happened, this is, I know this happens. When you don't spend any time listening to God in an altar, listening for what he says, listening for the promises he makes, then what happens is we leave an altar thinking and believing that we've heard from God and all we've really done is convince ourselves that our thoughts are his thoughts. You know how I know that? Because people that are living in, in direct opposition to his word will look at you square in the eye and say, I prayed about it and God said it was okay. He said it was all right for me to shack up. He said it was all right for me to spend myself into so much debt that I can't see. He said it was all right for me. Really? How do you know? I prayed about it and I heard God. No, you just hadn't been in the altar and been quiet long enough to hear God. You heard you. Because if you'd heard God, his ways are not our ways, and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. So what I'm trying to get you to understand is you've got to learn to get into an altar like Abraham and be quiet to hear him. See, God has a promise for you. God has a revelation for you. We want to run to altars to get a touch. But what I want to say and suggest to you is that what we ought to do is run to the altar to get a promise because long after a touch wears off, a promise will continue to work on our behalf and a promise will continue to last and a promise will continue to endure. We want touches. God wants to give promises. Listen, I just need to tell you this morning, God has a pinky and he wants to use it with you. He wants to, you to get into an altar and be quiet long enough that he can make a promise, that he can make a covenant with you, and he, can, and he can set up some things for your future and set up some things for your family and set up some things for your kids and set up some things in your life. He wants to make those promises. God has a pinky. Come on, I want you to turn to your neighbor right now and offer him your pinky just as symbolic. I, I, God wants to pinky swear with you this morning. Abram built altars as altars of promises. But there's a second common denominator that we don't like. I, I, I like the fact that God is a promise-making God. What I don't like in these accounts is this. Time passed before the promise was fulfilled. In all three accounts, God makes these significant promises to Abram. You're going to possess this land. I'm going to give you descendants. Your family's going to be large. I'm going to make you famous. I'm going to bless you. All these promises are made. But how many of you recognize from the moment that he received the promise, most commentaries say that it was 25 years before Isaac was ever born. 
I bring that to your attention this morning because see Abraham I think it's significant that in, in Genesis chapter 12 and in Genesis chapter 13 and Genesis chapter 15, I, I think it's significant that God continued to remind Abraham about the promises he'd made. I, I think that life had taken place. I think that time had gone by. I think Abraham had endured some crisis. And if we're not careful when we receive a promise from God, if we're not constantly visiting that altar of promise, we will forget what God said he will do. We need a time to pause and remember what God has said will take place. See, I told you last week that it is imperative for us to spend some time at an altar and remember what God has done. You need to reflect back and think about what God has done in your life. And you've got to do that on a regular basis. But because of what he has done, there is now a track record by which you can bank on. And you can go, now God, not only do I believe by what you have done because I've watched you be faithful time and time again now I need to stop and say God tell me what you're going to do you need to be reminded see we get nervous when time starts ticking I don't know why but we put God on a stopwatch I get a promise from God and, and so now God you gave me that promise like three weeks ago and if you don't fulfill it by October the 19th at 6 o'clock I'm going to give up I got stuff to do I, I'm going to take matters into my own hands Abraham did that look where we are now word we get nervous when time goes by it is as we get back to an altar that time stops you recognize this morning that God doesn't operate on our calendar system God doesn't operate in our time frame God transcends our time he knows the end from the beginning in other words before he ever starts anything he's already finished it so if he said he would do it even before he said he would do it he was already done now he's just bringing it to pass in our time frame so we can't get nervous just because October goes by and November goes by and December goes by and next year goes by and five years goes by and ten years go by the reason we need to keep visiting an altar of promise is to be reminded that he has said he will do something it's as we get back into the altar that we hear the calling again we hear the rumbling in our spirit again about the promise he made we hear the revelation again it's at the altar that we we, we hear that in spite in, uh, in spite of the twists and the turns of life I recognize that some of you even though you've had you've received a promise from God in the past your life has taken a different direction and your life doesn't look like what you thought it was going to look like and I recognize that you've endured some pain but it is an, at an altar of promise that you hear God say in spite of the decisions you've made and the consequences that you will endure I can still bring this to pass in spite of your divorce I can still bring this to pass in spite of the death that you watch take place I can bring this to pass in spite of the pain that you've gone through in spite of the sickness in spite of the need in spite of the lack if you will just trust me I can come through it's in spite of all those things that that there's still a promise there's a promise that God can still bring to fulfillment see some of you have forgotten what God said because time has passed and you need to revisit an altar of promise and hear fresh and new what God said he would do some of you are struggling in relationships right now because you have forgotten what God said your marriage would be some of you are struggling with your teenage children right now because you have forgotten what God had said about your children when they were little babies there was a promise given that they would be great men and women of God and because they're acting crazy when they're 
16, which they ought to. They're 16, and you acted crazy too. But all of a sudden, now you've forgotten what God said. Get back to the altar of promise and hear God say, He's a mighty man of God, and He will not depart from that way. He will devastate the darkness. He will. Y'all ain't helping me a bit? Some of you are struggling in your job right now, and you want to quit. Because you have forgotten that God said he was positioning you in that job as an ambassador of his grace. And so now when you have a bad day at work, you want to give up and throw in the towel and turn in your, your time card and say, I'm out of here. And, but you've forgotten you need to go back to the altar of promise and realize that God said he put you there for such a time as this. And then last but not least, I, I just noticed something in this third account that doesn't take place in the first two, but I think is important. In this third account, the Bible says that Abram at this altar of promise, after God says you, your, your descendants will be multiplied as the sands on the beach, dust of the earth, you will be huge. He lays out this sacrifice. The Bible says when he splits the animals, all but the birds, and he lays them on the altar before God, vultures swoop in. And the Bible says Abram scared them off. I think this is important because I came to tell somebody this morning that you were going to have to defend your promise. You need to understand that, that you are going to have to fight off the vultures of doubt. Some of you will look at your life right now and you remember what God has said about your life and you go, there's no way he can bring it about, uh, about and doubt sweeps in like a vulture and I am declaring to you that it's time for you to get up and fight off that vulture of doubt and fight for the promise that God has made over your life. Some of you have heard great words over your children and now because of some of the decisions they're making, you wonder whether it and come to pass and fear overtakes you you need to get up and fight off that vulture of fear because I want you to know if God said it it will come to pass but you're going to have to fight for your promise see if you don't have a promise worth fighting for if you don't have a promise worth warring over then I would submit to you then you really probably haven't heard from God Y'all didn't get that. I'm going to say that again. If you don't have a promise in your life worth fighting for, then you probably haven't heard from God. Because I've discovered something. When somebody gets a promise from God, they will cut you before they will give up that promise. They will fight to the death for that promise. I, I, I can't live on the promise you gave me. And if you tell me you're going to do such and such, I'll take it with a grain of salt. But when I hear God say that he's going to help me come through, and when I hear God say that he's going to provide for me, and when I hear God God say that he's going to heal me. I don't care if the doctor looks at me and tells me I'm going to die. You haven't checked in with who really matters, and I will fight you. I will cut you. I'll take you out. I ain't going to let you steal my promise. See, some of you have got vultures swirling around your life that you need to scare off. I'm preaching right now. Some of you have got promises from God that God said he was going to do it, and your mama looks at you and goes, it ain't never going to happen. You need to scare her off. Some some of you got some friends that are swirling around your life and every time you hear the promise from God saying that you're going to be a great man of God, a great woman of God, they step and say, you ain't all that. Who do you think you are? You need to scare their hind end off because they ain't nothing but vultures and if you don't fight them off, you'll lose your promise. You have to fight for your, see some of you fight for your rights. Some of you fight for your way. Some of you fight for your plans. 
and I am just, some of you fight for your comfort. Some of you fighting for happiness. I would just submit to you this morning that it is time to quit fighting for your rights and quit fighting for your way and quit fighting for your plans, quit fighting for your comfort, quit fighting for your happiness, and start fighting for what God said. Quit wasting your energy and your time defending things that don't matter and start defending the things that God has said about you because if you can find out what God said about you, nothing else matters. So, where does that bring us today? It brings us back to my question. What has God said about you? What promises have you heard God make? Some of you need to go way back in your memory when you were a teenager, and you go, man, too much time has passed. I'm old now. I, I, I've got too many bills now. I've got too many kids now. I've got too many cars now. I've got too many houses. You need to go way back and grab on to what God said. And remember the promises. But for many of you, in fact, I'll say it this way. For most of us, we just need to get to an altar and shut up long enough to hear what God is saying about us now. When is the last time you went to an altar and didn't say anything and just listened? What I know is that God is a promise-making God. But you've got to listen. I've checked in with God. He's here with his big old pinky. And he's in a promise-making mood. If we would just listen to him. So this is what we're going to do this morning. This is uncomfortable for many of you, I understand, because some of you pray the same way every time. You come to an altar, you got your, I mean, you got it down, you, 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 you got all the words. But this morning, the way we're going to end, there will be no dismissal. That's what we've been doing in this whole series. We're not going to do it. The worship team is going to come in just a moment. They're going to play softly. And I'm asking you to find an altar. And just listen. And here's another step. I'm asking you to find that altar with a piece of paper and a pen, pencil. And listen so carefully that when God begins to talk to you, you can write down what he says. Because a day will come when you're going to need to reflect on what he's promised you. Julie and I have a collection of those. We've got them about our kids. We've got them about our ministry. We've got them about our life. And every time I feel like quitting. See, I know some of you hadn't, hadn't heard from God lately because you've got to quit in you. You want to quit too easily. When it gets tough, you want to quit. You know what that tells me? You haven't heard a promise from God. And so I want to encourage you this morning that as we spend time listening to God, you take that pen, you take that paper, and you literally write out what God says to you. Well, I don't know how to do that. do it just like this. And listen. And in your spirit, you can hear God saying things, and you just write them down. And you hold on to that thing, and you'll fight for that thing. 
that promise will help you to endure to the end. And I won't give up. What's he saying about you? What's he saying about your marriage? What's he saying about your kids? What's he saying about your life? Have you heard lately? God's here and he wants the pinky swear. Father, this morning I pray over my folks today. And I realize that what we're about to do will be foreign to many and uncomfortable to most. But Father, I pray today that you would silence all of our requests and snuff out all of our cliches and cute prayers. And you would heighten our awareness of your voice. Your word declares that the sheep are supposed to know the shepherd's voice. Father, we don't want to confuse our voice with yours. And so in the silence this morning, I pray that we would hear you clearly and distinctly. And there would be no doubt about it. When you speak, we would know it. And I pray that we would record those promises. Your word is full of them. We know you're still speaking. And I pray that you would speak to each individual situation and each individual person in this room today. And I pray that when we walk out of here, we will be able to walk out of here ready to fight because we've known, we've heard, we've gotten a revelation of what you said will come to pass in our life and it's worth dying for if we have to. We will scare off the vultures of doubt and fear and people and anything else. We will fight for the promise that you've given us for my family, for my children, for my life, for my friends, for my brothers and my sisters. I pray you would speak clearly today in these quiet moments and we would not leave until we hear from you. I ask you these things. In Jesus' name. These altars are open. Your chair can become your altar. Take a pen and paper and listen to what God says to you this morning. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.